I never thought I would walk up to the pulpit to Toy Story music. I, I, never, I never thought it. And I hope our children will experience that friendship and love within the body that, that we're going to be talking about. I, I loved having Jeremy, thank you so much. It's just wonderful for us to sing together and to be together. Um, today, we come back to John 15. I'm coming back again because this text has been on my mind for a long time. And um, even as, as Ruby was reading it for us, it was powerfully done. What I see happening in this is Jesus himself, just before he goes to the cross, he is envisioning what a church like ours is supposed to be like. And what I, I think that he's seeing is that he is going to give his life so that we can become, in this community, a community of friends. That, that's the phrase I'm going to use, a community of friends. Well, it, it's friendship as he understands it. it it's it's Jesus-like friends. Or maybe, I, to be honest, I have to say it's us becoming more like Jesus-like friends <laughs> to one another so that, so that we come together and, and we commit to love one another as he commands twice, that we walk with one another to obey his commands, and then we go out into a hurting community together to show his love and to tell about the one who makes us friends. This, this whole concept of a community of friends, I find to be beautiful. What about you? And I, I think it, it is so attractive to the world if we can actually be what Jesus envisioned us being. Because I think every human being has this deep, deep longing for a, a lasting, transparent, uh, loving, honest friendship. And I think it's regardless of our culture, regardless of what nation we come from, and regardless of how old we are. And, and the reason I say that is I, I always hear people talking about longing for a friendship or pledging friendship. I, I grew up in a military family. They're all Air Force people. And I'm the only one who's not. So when they come together, they always tell their war stories. But the main thing they talk about is the friendships that they established and being in the trenches together and always knowing that somebody has my back. Just a big part of every one of those discussions. They remember the hardest times well because true friendships were there. Uh, and then I thought, how, how do I also communicate how deep this goes within us as human beings? And, and then I started thinking about all of the pop music that's been sung my entire life. And I tell you, when I started thinking about all the songs, I thought just, not just about a few, but dozens, maybe hundreds of them. So I, I went back, I thought about my college years. And I'll take you back, I'll show you how early my college years were. I, I, I thought about that Bill Withers song, because he grew up right down the hill from me. He grew up in Sprague, West Virginia. And uh, I, I remember him saying that, that when you feel weak, you can lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry. Yeah, you want to sing it, don't you, Jeremy? You don't, you don't want to just say it. It's deep inside of us. And of course, I started thinking about the one that I put as the title of my message that uh, Carol King wrote and that James Taylor would sing. And, and it's so true. When you're down and troubled... And who hasn't been there? And you need some love and care. And nothing, no, nothing is going right. So you know, you feel that already. Just close your eyes and think of me. And he says, because you've got a friend. It, it just resonates so deeply. And it's not just in my college years. I mean, every generation I was thinking of, of the different songs that were written. And that's what made me think about this uh, Toy Story song. Because I thought, we may not want to admit it in a church. But what child, parent, or grandparent hasn't resonated with that relationship of Andy and Woody? 
that all just so, sort of driven home when, when you hear this thing, you've got a friend in me, because we all long for it. We, we all want to have it. Then some would say, well, you know, 21st century, we've become too cynical for that. But that's not true. I t I'll tell you, I did this. I even went on and found out gangster rap has a lot of songs that really pledge somebody, needing somebody that has your back. I would have put some of them up there, but I couldn't. The, the, the lyrics wouldn't let me do it. But, I, but at least I could, just, one of them, the Bruno Mars song, The Count on Me. Uh, you can count on me like one, two, three. I can count on you like four, three, two. That's what friends are supposed to do, yeah. No, no I, yeah. See, I want to sing it. I want to sing it. But, and when I read that, and then I come back to the words of Jesus, I see that Jesus talks about friendship using many of the same things we find in all of the songs. But it's deeper. It is deeper. And what I find happening, you've got to remember, when Jesus talks about friendship and the friendship that he offers to you and me, and that he wants to bring us into together within a church family, he is standing just before he goes to the cross. And I have always found that when there is something that penetrates through every human life, regardless of age or culture, that Jesus always talks about it. And, and what I find Jesus talking about in this text is that he is saying to us, I am ready to die to bring about the friendships that you were created to have. Um, I, I find that as I read this passage, these six verses, verses 12 through 17, Jesus takes us all the way back to the time of our human origins. Because I, I find that if you really want to understand the, the foundational things about the Bible and about God and human life, you always come back to the book of beginnings, to the book of Genesis. And, and so in, in the book of Genesis, we have God making himself known. And one of the things that we so often talk about here at Lake Avenue Church is that when our Father made himself known, when he created us, he made us in his image. And then we begin to think, what, what does that mean? And one of the things that he begins to reveal about himself in the book of beginnings is that though, though there is only one God, God has always somehow, mysteriously, beyond any of our human comprehension, has always existed in plurality. When he created human beings, this striking phrase, let us make man in our own image. And then you read through the rest of the, of the Bible and it begins to unfold what that is like. By the time you get to the New Testament, you see that the one God has always existed as in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now when you think about that, the God in whose image you were made has never lived in isolation. God has never been lonely. God has always had relationships, relationship of love within this one God, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now you and I are made in his image. And so you and I were made for relationship. We were made for the kind of relationship that we've been singing about. That's why whether you're a Christian or not, you find this longing, this longing for a friendship. So the first time you meet human beings in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, it describes us as walking and talking with God himself. It's all the language of friendship. And what it means is that you and I, as human beings made in the image of God, have been created to have a relationship with God as our friend. It's a relationship that no one and nothing else in this world can ever fill this is one thing you can just take with you and you try to witness to somebody. If they don't know God, they may pretend like 
They have no holes in the heart of their lives. But I'm telling you, they were made for God and only God can fill that place. But one of the things that I see when I read Genesis 2 is that even though we were made to have a relationship with God, still, while there was only the one man there in the garden with God, something was lacking. And, and you know that it says that um, uh, one thing was wrong. One thing was incomplete in what God had created. Everything went wrong in Genesis 3 because of sin, but one thing was wrong because something was lacking. And what God says, it is not good for a man to be alone. And so uh, we are made to have a relationship with God, but the, the, the phrase that is used is we need to have a relationship with people like us. I will make someone like him. And so he created the woman and relationship both to God and to people became possible. So as you look at that, no human being can fill God's place, but God says, I've also made you for one another. All that was messed up. When people sinned in Genesis chapter three, what happened was people hid. They hid from God, breaking that relationship. They started blaming one another and bringing, breaking that relationship. And so here we are as human beings made in the image of God, made to have deep, growing, intimate relationships with God and with people, and all of that is broken and people long for it. And what I see Jesus saying is this. He turns to his disciples and he turns to us and he says, I'm ready to die to bring about the relationships that you were made for, to, to bring you back to God. I'll call you friends, it's so powerful. Though we have sinned, he's willing to call us friends. And now to bring you into a community of friends where we love one another. I'll tell you, that's what we need as human beings. The less, the implication of this, the less you and I have growing deep relationships with God and with people, uh, the less human we will be. Uh, rocks don't mind being lonely. I don't think so. They've never told me. But <laughs> machines don't mind being lonely. But you and I, we were made for relationship. And Jesus says, I'm willing to die to, to restore what was lost. This is good news, don't you think? This is what brings us to church. So here, the, the distinctive of Jesus-like friendship, maybe from some of the, the songs that we've been singing. The songs I love because they express the longing, but Jesus is the only one who can fulfill the longing. And so the basis of the friendship that Jesus is willing to give us is first, that, that we are true friendship as Jesus is ready to die for, is, uh, is a friendship called together by Jesus. It's his choice, not ours. I'll call you friends, and it's not that you chose me, he said. I chose you. Now, th that's the first thing I want you to notice because in our world, mostly, uh, the d distinctiveness of a friendship is that a part of it is that we choose our friends. You know the old maxim, don't you? That, that says, God gave me my family. Thank God, I can choose my friends. <laughs> you, you've heard that. But, but Jesus says, no, it, it's, it's not that way. Uh, I know what you need. I know what's best for you. And I choose. I choose you to come into, I'll die for you. I'll choose you to come into relationship with me and call you a friend. And I'm going to choose some friends for you to, to do life with. Now, I was talking with this, about this, with some of our young adults. We have some of you sitting here and in other places, too. And one on Tuesday, and one of, uh, was who was there was Rafiq Wabi. He had to leave yesterday. I wish he'd been here, because I wanted him to hear what I was going to say about him. But uh, Rafiq turned to me, and he said, Pastor Greg, 
Uh, when you talk about a church like Lake being a community of friends, he says, I, I think that idea would be very attractive uh, to, to people my age and to, to my friends if we could choose the friends to be in our community of friends. <laughs> and the, then he started uh, listing um, some of the ones that he would choose to be his friends, and all of you were there. I don't think I was in the list. Um, he said, that, that's, what, that's what I would choose. And he said, this has become something so attractive to those who claim Christ as Savior in, in my own generation, is that we're wanting to gather just in small house sorts of gatherings with people just like ourselves, who sort of uh, share the same view of life and everything, and, and, and that that's where real community is found. But he, he acknowledged this. He said, I really think there's something much more like what Jesus is calling us to be when I, I get together with, well, a group as diverse and mixed up as we are here at, at Lake Avenue Church. Now, now, if you just want to know how different the people are that Jesus chooses to be in these circles of friends, then just read the people that he calls in, in, the, in the Gospels. R read through the Gospel of Luke. And here I started just trying to think about it. So he, he calls a man named Jairus, synagogue leader, certainly keeping all of the rules and the commandments he calls him there. And then soon thereafter, he calls a woman taken in prostitution. Can't you imagine Jesus says, there, I've called you to myself, I'm going to die to forgive you, and now you're in a small group at Lake Avenue Church. You guys, you love one another, you, uh, you help one another to keep my commands, and you go out and witness to me together. Now, the one I really thought of, and I think it, I'm, I'm going to meddle for just a minute, I, I thought about Matthew. Matthew, uh, who was a, a tax collector, you know, so he was in the pocket of the Roman government. Uh, he, he did what the Roman government wanted him to do, and, and Jesus calls him. And in the same group, he calls Simon the zealot who hated the Roman government. Can't you imagine that Jesus calls him to himself and says, okay, uh, Matthew, you and Simon, you're in a small group. Uh, you're going to love one another, you're going to hold one another accountable, and you're going to go out and witness together. I thought in our world that would be like, like Jesus calling Harry Reid and Ted Cruz into one. <laughs> can you imagine it? I can hardly imagine it. And you say, well, it can't be that polarized, not as the Tea Party and Harry Reid. It can't be. It was more polarized. Jesus imagined it, and he died to bring it about. Now, the reason why I talk so vehemently about this is because those who claim to be Christians and actually church groups all over the world have constantly been tempted to think that real Christian community can only happen is if we're with people that we're comfortable with. And that usually means people that we agree with about worldviews and, and that we agree with about uh, taste in music and worship and all that. And, and that that's, 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 what, that's what real Christian community and real Christian worship happens when that takes place. And Jesus says, no, 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 I do the choosing. And do you know that those things are not the things that bring us together into a community of friends? Do you know what holds us together? That all of us declare that Jesus is Lord. That's it. And, and, but that also suggests what brought us into the relationship with Jesus as our Lord and friend, and that is you and I had to humble ourselves. He had to die for us. We have nothing to be proud of. You know, you and I have nothing to be proud of. We're, we're, we're recipients of grace, amen? We're recipients of, of God's mercy. 
And so we just feel privileged that we're able to be in. We'd never hold anybody out because if anybody's held out, you and I know that we should be. And yet Jesus says, you're not held out. I choose you and I bring you together and I call you friends. That's what a church is. Now, I know, I know. I'm up here preaching and yelling away and, and I have all these ideals. I think they're Jesus' ideals. But, but anyway, I have all these ideals. And you say, but it is really hard to love some of the people in this church. I got one amen, but I, had, I, could, I could feel the amens uh, coming out. But don't you think that's why, before he goes to the cross? First of all, if you have your Bible in front of you, in this section, surrounding the idea of becoming friends, we have two commands. It's the same command. Verse 12, it's like bookends. Book, I command you to do this, love one another as I have loved you. And then he talks about the friends, and then at the end, he ends it. Verse 17 brings it right back. So I have a command for you, love one another. And th then if we miss it, when he gets to the garden and he's praying, he thinks about churches like us gathering together on a Sunday morning like this, and he prays for us specifically. Uh, one, only one thing he prays for. Father, he says, just before he gives his life, I pray for those who will believe in me through the message of my disciples. Father, and you know what he prayed for? Father, my prayer is that they may be one. And then this, this language of the Godhead, as you and I are one, Father, may they be one so that a, a divided, broken world longing for this may see it and believe. This is the picture that Jesus is giving us. He's the one who chooses, he draws us into friendship, and he calls us to love here. So I ask myself, what does that loving friendship look like? So in the few moments that I have, I'll, I'll tell you a few of the things. As I read it and I draw it out, it's clear to me that the friendship that should exist here, that Jesus is dying for, is to be characterized by us loving as Jesus loved. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes on to tell us what that looks like. So greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So when I read that, I say, okay, that means sacrifice and faithfulness. Sacrifice, the willingness to lay down our lives for one another. Faithfulness, never, or, or I might put it this way, uh, we'll never let our friend down and we'll never let him go. The kind of friendship Jesus is talking about, never let him down, uh, never let him go. Let's think about the sacrifice, never letting them down. Uh, Jesus says, here's, here's what it looks like, a willingness to lay down your life for a friend, and I'll do it for you. You are my friends. And he did it. Now, I have talked with people who said, well, Jesus did that, but he doesn't expect all of us to do that. Uh, what do you think? Oh, I, I think if you think you're wrong. Uh, John, who wrote this book, would say that that's wrong. And if you don't believe me, look at 1 John, the letter that he wrote. Oh, I lost it. Oh, there it is. First uh, John chapter three, verse sixteen. So John turning to a church just like ours. I think it was probably the church in Ephesus. So this is how we know what love is. He said, "Jesus laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters." And then he tells us what it looks like. So. In your church, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, 
Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So here, here's what I'm praying for. If, if the Spirit of God works in my life as senior pastor and, and does what should happen when he is at work, and it works in your life as well, increasingly we're going to become a community where we really watch out for one another. And, and where we see those needs, we're willing to sacrifice anything to make sure that those needs are met. We'd be a community where we actually sacrifice for one another and then are faithful to one another. Because Jesus so amazingly says, I'm not talking about the kind of things where you're a servant, I'm talking where you're a friend, and he's not putting down being a servant. But he's just deepening this thing. He's deepening the relationship in a church. Because many of us here at the church, we're in a service industry, right? But when you're simply paid to be a servant or in a service industry, what do we do? We discharge our service, and when 5 o'clock comes, we go home. But, but friends, whenever there's a need, 5 o'clock comes and the need's still there, you stick there, right? You, you don't give up. And that's what Jesus is talking about, one who will not let you down and one who will not let you go. Now, this has such practical implications for us. Uh, some of you who've been here for a little while know that not so long ago, we changed the meal that we have uh, for our community um, on Sunday nights. It's been mostly for those who are homeless and, and in need. We changed the name of it. Um, and, and you may say, well, you just changed the name. That's no big deal. But the big deal is what's meant by changing the name. It used to be called the homeless meal. And it's for those people out there. We'll help those people out there. And that's good for people who don't have a home and don't have a meal, but we've changed it to community meal. To community meal. Why? Because when we read what Jesus says, what we're doing is we're inviting people into community with us to become a part of the friendship circle that Jesus died to bring about. And so in a community meal, you take time to develop friendships. In a homeless meal, you just discharge service. And, and it, isn't there all the difference in the world when you sacrificially serve a friend out of love for that friend and when you simply have to do it? There, there is great joy in it. So the first thing that I think Jesus died for and that I pray will happen for us is that we'll grow in loving one another as Jesus loved us. It is so beautiful and powerful. It means sacrifice and faithfulness. The second thing that I see in what he says about friendship is that it's always characterized by Transparency. Openness, honesty, we open up our lives to one another. See what he says in verses six and seven? I no longer call you friends, servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I call you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So, so in my first point, I made the point that the kind of friend that Jesus is thinking about will never let you down and never let you go. And here I'm gonna make the point, and he will always let you in will always let you in. See, one of the most basic parts, and you know this is true, one of the most basic parts of a real friendship is that we open up our lives to one another. Sometimes when we just first have a friendship, we open up too fast and we're just blown away. It's like a fire hose, right? That's not always wise. But the deeper it goes, the more that we open. And if we don't open up our friendships, our lives to our friends, uh, then the relationship remains very, very shallow. So Jesus says it begins with that relationship with me. I will call you a friend, but that, I'm, I'm going to open up the ways of God to you. 
So you're not just going to obey my commands, which he calls us to do as a slave, but as a friend. Because when you know me, what I'm going to tell you about the way to live is the way the fa- I'm going to make the Father known to you. Do you see he says that? I'm going to call you a friend because I'm going to make the Father known to you. So what Jesus opens up your eyes to is who God is. He'll open up your eyes and life through his word to how God made you to live. He'll open up your eyes and your life to where things are heading and what things really matter. I love that, you know, in Hebrew, uh, the word that's often translated friend in Hebrew originally simply was a word that meant a secret. But the more time went on, that word morphed and changed into a friend. Because a friend is the one who begins to open up those secrets to his friend. I think Jesus is drawing upon that wordplay. And he says, so many things you just don't know about and you wonder, I'm going to open up the knowledge of who God is and what life is about, according to God, to you. And now he's going to draw us into a friendship where we are to do the same with one another. And if one of the problems in friendship is that we can sometimes open up too quickly and blow people away, the much bigger problem is the one that I think we have, and that is that we don't open up at all. Um... I've written this for you to see. One of the biggest problems, I think, in growing as Christian friends and in our walk with God at all is that all of us have this tendency to keep things secret. That we hide things. Mostly because we're ashamed of them, right? I mean, aren't there things? That's why we do, we're ashamed of them. And, and some of them are things we should be ashamed of. But, but here we go. Jesus knows about all those things and he loves you anyway and he is ready to die for you and he wants you to enter into a relationship where you can open up all those things to him and when you confess them, he'll cleanse you and forgive you. Hallelujah. But once again, coming down to a, the kind of community, sometimes we have to experience that grace, not just from him, but from one another in a community. So, so in a community that he envisions, he envisions us as being people that when people open up their lives, their joys and so forth, we rejoice with those who rejoice. When people are hurting, we mourn with those who mourn. And when, when people fail, true friends will not reject you. But at the same time, we'll never allow you to stay in that sin, right? So that, that's what he is seeing. He is And what I'm praying for and what I see Jesus dying for is that the local church, our church, will be a place where we experience new beginnings for failures and a place of accountability for us to live a new life. Both of those. A new beginning for those who have failed. It's going to take grace. It's going to take humility to be that. But at the same time, never being willing to leave a person in sin, a place of accountability so that we'll keep his commands together will be committed to keep his commands together. So there we, there we have uh, the, um, what is this friendship like? It is one that is characterized by us loving sacrificially and faithfully as Jesus did and, and that the relationship is transparent and open. We open up our lives and we pursue God together. And then the third and last thing that he says is that this true friendship that he was envisioning in us is characterized by our service together. See verse 16, I chose you so that you would go I chose you so that you would go and bear fruit, much fruit, fruit that will last. So as I think about it, um, in church, remember the sermon I did on breathing in and breathing out? I said a body has to do both. (laughs) So a church is a place where you come and do what you're doing. Now, hopefully this was breathing in 
We sing songs, we open our ears to his word, we reaffirm, I love him. I am a follower of Jesus. We, so that that relationship to God and to one another is strengthened, we breathe in so that we can breathe out. Or, or we, might, we might put it this way, we gather here so that we can grow. We grow through our wish, witness, we grow through our fellowship, smaller fellowship of believers where we pray for one another and uh, correct one another and hold one another accountable. That can't happen in this format where all of you are sitting in one direction and all the words are going just one direction. What happens here is important. We need to hear the word of God together. But all that happens can't happen here. So we gather here and then, then we find friends and fellowship and then we, he says, so that you can go. You gather so that you can go. Uh, you gather so that you can grow through worship and go to witness. And that's what Jesus is saying, that we do as friends. It's such a powerful thing that he says is when that happens, when that kind of loving relationship is deepening, our love for him and love for one another is deepening and we gather and truly worship and we go out and people sir, see us serving alongside one another, though they say, wow, that is such an unusual gathering of diverse people. Uh, they'll know that God is in it and he says, I'll give fruit to that. It's like he said in John 13, it's when we really grow in our love for one another, then the world will know that, that we are his disciples. When people see a oneness in people who would otherwise never be one, then the world will see and believe. I, I long for that to, to happen more and more here at Lake Avenue Church. Do you? So my time is gone, so I'll just summarize it here. So Jesus, the one who loves us and died for us, has personally called us to himself and called us together into a church family like this, and he's called us to be a community of friends. So we are friends called by Jesus. We are a group of friends. What, what knits us together is that we've all surrendered ourselves to the Lord Jesus. So one of the things we're going to do as friends, we're going to pursue keeping his commands together. And, and the specific command that he gave us, the, the main one, is, okay, verses, look at verse 12 and 17 again. Okay, right here in the context, the specific command that he gave us is, love one another. You want to say that with me? Love one another. How? As I have loved you. What that means is, it means that when things happen in church or, or people get on your nerves in your church, and that will happen, that you won't run away to some other place. Because much of the growth happens as we work through stuff together, right? And, and God's word is going to guide us. Some of that stuff is, is because we haven't been following God's word at times. So we're going to pursue that together because we're surrendered to keeping his commandments together. But... When you sense that God has called you to this family, to this community of friends, stick with us. Uh, if you look for flaws, you will find them. If you can't find them, come and talk with your senior pastor. I'll point out some. <laughs> but when you see this, what I'm talking about, Jesus says, I do the choosing, and, and I, I'm bringing you together to glorify my name. Don't jump around. And the other thing is, don't, don't stay anonymous. Um, 
find a, a small group to be a part of or a mid-sized group to be a part of and find a place to serve. And because I've heard it so often, if you say, well, th this church is just so hard for me to find a place to serve, um, what I'm going to tell you is God's made you in his image. Uh, you can do this. Uh, we'll work hard to try to find that place, but don't you give up. Uh, go through that, that, that uh, connect sign under the banners, talk to the people there, and if they don't help you, come up and irritate me until you find a place <laughs> to be a part of us because we need you and you need us. Don't, don't remain anonymous. And, and when you do, I think that what you're going to experience is God filling up what he made you for. Your, your relationship to the God who is to be your friend is going to be deepened, and your relationship with people is going to be deepened. Uh, and you're going to, to experience things that are characterized by faithful and sacrificial service of true friends. Oh, that's what I want to have. I, you're going to find that one of the things God is going to do as the Spirit of God is at work is our transparency and our openness will increase because the grace is there. And those things we're ashamed of, we know Jesus died to remove that stuff. So our community will be a place, hopefully will you experience a place of belonging. And then you'll go out in mission together. And when people in, in the San Gabriel Valley see that happening here, they're going to want to be a part of it. They'll know that we are Christians. And believe me, because no human power can bring a group together in our own strength, they will know that what is happening here is all because of and to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. May I lead us in prayer? Father, do this in us. You, you long for this far more than, than I do or than we do. Here we see Jesus saying he is ready to give his life to call us friends and to bring us into a local community of friends, of people who love as he loved. Oh, it's almost it's so beautiful, it's hard to imagine. It's so difficult, it's hard to imagine. But you've given us your very Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead uh, to bring this about. So do your work in us, Lord. Father, I pray for some who have come today who've never really come to life to you. Uh, those who perhaps still serve you and uh, show up at church or churchgoers but really don't know you as friends. Father, I, I pray that today would be the day they simply surrender in faith to Jesus and believe. And I just pray you will make yourself known. They will be alive to your presence, to your reality. Father, I, I also am quite sure that we still have some divisions in our church, things that need to be forgiven from the past, grudges that need to be put into the past, forgiveness that needs to be happening, reconciliation to take place. Do that among us, Father. Father, my one prayer right now is make us one. As the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as you are one, make us one that the world may see and believe. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Um.
I think the, the appropriate ending for this uh, service is to ask those who are new members to come down and join me here. Now that I've talked about the kind of community of friends, I might have scared all of the new members off. So if, uh, if our new members will come down and join me, almost all of them were in the nine o'clock service. We'll have to tell them about you. They, they would like you, I think. So, but here we have uh, Dean. So glad to have you with us. And Dean, lawyers are welcome in this church. Thank you. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, that's, uh, amen. John, engineers and scientists are welcome in this church. I'm not going to list who everybody is. You blessed us a couple of weeks ago. C continue to come and join us now. Antonia. Antonia. I'm so thankful God has led you here. And Tricia, so good to have you here with us. Well, I, I do think we have the best looking ones of our, 35, of our 35 new members who are here. I grew up in a really little church in West Virginia. Um, and so you know what we did when we had new members? And that is, we, we called it, we gave them the right hand of fellowship. So, so I kind of did that, but I'll do it again. So to, to each one of you, welcome to our church family, to this, this community of friends. And I pray that what I talked about is what you'll experience here. And Dean as well. So thankful that God has led you, that Jesus chose you and made you a part of us. Look out at this group. Do you think you can love these people? What, what, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> oh. I'm going to ask you to stay up here at the end so that people can come. And I hope you all come down in mass and just overwhelm them unless you have to run off to lunch or something. I hope you stay as long as you can. Uh, next week is Easter Sunday. This week, this, this morning we had such a fun service. Friday night, uh, we're going to have, a, we call it a tenebrae service. It's a weighty service as we think about uh, the seriousness of what Jesus had to do to bring about this community. We'll think about the death of Jesus. And then on Sunday, we will sing hallelujah. <laughs> and it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to, involve, uh, to invite people, even people who've never been in a church to come. It'll be a wonderful time of celebration. I'll try to talk very simply, uh, and I'll, I'm going to do a, about Jesus. That's, I'm just going to talk about Jesus. Is that okay? Yes. Um, next week also, and, and Dwayne and Jeremy have asked me to mention this, uh, we're going to have the music of our church where we're trying to find music where we can always, where we can worship across the generations and things. So we put some of the music onto a CD and I, I just love it. I got it yesterday so I've been listening to it a lot. So uh, that's gonna be available next week and we hope to give this to a lot of the new folks who come as well. So uh, that's next week, be sure to come. Anything else I'm supposed to say? No, I've already said more than I should. So now, as I said, the real worship begins. We gather to go. We're breathing in so that we go and breathe out and bring the love and blessing of the Lord Jesus to our community. So let's stand. We need his help, but he pledges it to us. Oh, uh, last thing I forgot, pastors and prayer counselors. Will you come to my left over here? Because I, if the Lord has been speaking to you or you're walking through a, a challenging time, please come and pray. If praying with people out here in front of everyone is too public, we have a prayer room in the back where we will have much more privacy there and you can come and pray with folks there also. Now, let's pray. Father, we have gathered here to hear what should happen when we gather, and now we go, and, and, and we say we, are, we learn that we are go, to go and bear much fruit. So, Father, we pray for your blessing as we do, that we might live for you in such a way that people will see you in us and, and living through us. So may 
our dying Savior's love. May our risen Savior's power, may our ascended Savior's prayer, and may our returning Savior's glory be so real to us that it sustains us and guides us this week and forevermore. Amen.